0: Thank you. Well, I am honored to be here, even though I had to invite myself to get here. (laughs) Actually, Pastor Steve has had invited me some over the years, and I'd just not been able to work out my schedule. that's why I felt the freedom to go up and tell him, I really believe God spoke to me. I'm supposed to come next year. And as he said, you can see, it was just amazing that this is the only weekend I had available uh, even a year ago. 2018 is completely booked as well. So, um, so I'm very honored to be here. Pastor Steve has been a close friend for many, many years. Even though this is my first time here at the church, and so I, you probably know this, but uh, you are extremely, extremely blessed to have Pastor Steve Robinson as your pastor. You are blessed, very blessed. So I want to just introduce myself. So if you don't know, I'm 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 married. We have three children. Uh, we have eight grandchildren. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 36 years. And I know I know the first thing you think when I say that I know I know you think there's just that guy's just too young to have been married 36 years. And so my wife and I got married very young. It was the biggest event of the fifth grade. And so. Um, <laughs> But I brought a picture of my family so you could see my family and kind of get to know us. This is my family, our two sons on the ends there, our daughter seated on the couch beside us with her husband behind her and then uh, the grandchildren. There's one more grandchild that is in, the, in this picture in the stomach of the daughter-in-law on the right and uh, that one's come out now, so that's good. <laughs> so. So we have um, eight, eight of them, and uh, let me just tell you uh, something. All of our, all of our children are grown and married, and they're all serving God. They all serve God. They all got degrees in in different areas, uh, and, and but they all work at the church now. They're all in ministry, but we never f- asked them or forced them to that. Um, and but they all have felt called to do that. When I say they all work at the church, my son-in-law, two sons, and son-in-law. Uh, the, the girls don't, they are stay-at-home moms. Um, but uh, all of our children are grown and married, as you saw. But I want to explain to you what that means. So I want to give some of you some hope to look forward to this. Uh, when I say that our children are grown and married, let me tell you what that means. It means that Debbie and I are now wealthy, wealthy. So you will get a huge raise when you get the freeloaders out of your house. That's nice. So love our kids, but we actually love our grandkids more. We really do. Grandkids, grandchildren are better than children. I promise you. Grandchildren are God's reward for not killing your children the next time you you just feel like you're about to just choke one hold on because there's a better one coming along and you can play with that one and hop him up on sugar and send him home to take vengeance on your children it's just it's just wonderful so all right so i'm really honored to be a part of this series born for this i'm honored to talk to you about born for generosity and uh, I want you to turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13, or on your devices, uh, just get to somehow where you can see the Word of God there. Exodus chapter 13, um, and Exodus chapter 13, we're going to look at this a principle in other scriptures as well. We're going to start here, and this is the principle that generosity is based on. And it's a principle that's all through scripture, it's called the principle of first. It's when God is really first in our life, then we are generous people because God is a generous God. We are the most like God when we give. We're the most like God when we give. Many, many people think that uh, the verb of the Bible or the action of the Bible would be love. I really don't think it is. I think it's give. And I think the most famous verse in the Bible tells us that, for God so loved that he See, if God had not given, we'd still be on our way to hell, even though he loved. So love always gives. Love always has an action to it. So I want to show you the principle of first, and I want to show you some scriptures about it, all right? Exodus chapter 13, look at verse 1. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, consecrate. Now that's a big word that means set apart or set to the side. Set apart to me all the firstborn." Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both the man and beast, now watch this, it is mine. It is mine. I wish I could tell you how emphatic this language is in the Hebrew. It, it belongs to me. It is my property. It's actually, it, it actually belongs to me. It's mine. Then down verses 12 and 13, that you shall set apart, so that again is a word for consecrate, or holy, Set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males, shall be the Lord's. Again, shall be the Lord's property, shall belong to God. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Now, we'll talk about that in a moment, what that means. And if you will not redeem it, watch this, then you shall break its neck. In other words, you're going to lose it anyway. If you won't bring it to God, you're still going to lose it. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Okay, so I have three points today. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. If you're not taking notes, write these down. Okay, so here's, here's number one. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. According to the law of God, and I understand we're not under law, but what's the principle behind this? Why would God say this? That's what we're trying to find out. So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Okay, but how do you know which to do? How do you know whether you sacrifice or redeem it? That's where the donkey and the lamb come in. God gives us two animals that are exemplary of two classifications of animals. Donkeys represent unclean animals, lambs represent clean animals. So he says, so if your clean animal has a firstborn, you have to sacrifice it. If your unclean animal has a firstborn, You have to redeem it with the sacrifice of a clean animal. Now, I want to say that one more time because remember, 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that everything that happened to them happened as an example to us. So we're going to see what the example is in just a moment, all right? So if your firstborn is clean, it has to be be sacrificed. If your firstborn is an unclean animal, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. So what does this represent? Well, let me ask you two questions. All right. Um, were you and I, when we were born in our spiritual condition before God, when we were born on this earth, were you and I born clean or unclean, we were born unclean because we were born with a sin nature. It's natural for us. All right. Let me ask the experts in the room, the parents a question. And this will prove it. Did you have to teach your children to be bad? No. We have to teach them to be good, right? Because we're all born with a sin nature. That's why, as Pastor Steve said the first week, we need to be born again with a new nature. Okay, so we were all born unclean. Here's the second question. Was Jesus born unclean or clean? He was born clean. Okay, listen, you're going to love this. The clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. That's what we just read. That's the principle. See, every time you read the Bible, especially the law or the Old Testament, you need to see what's the principle behind this law, the principle of relationship that leads us to relationship with God. And that's what it is. And so we're going to talk about tithing today. But many people speak so negatively of tithing, but I don't think they understand the principle behind tithing. Tithing is putting God first. And it's all through scripture. We're going to, You put God first, it's the first 10%. It's never the last 10%. But again, this principle of the firstborn. Remember, Jesus is called the firstborn. He's also called the first fruit. So I want you to think about this. Maybe you've never thought about it in this way. Jesus is God's tithe. Here's the reason. You give the tithe first. You don't pay all your bills and then give the tithe because no, that doesn't take faith at all. You, you bring the tithe to the house of God First, God said, when your sheep has a lamb, give me the first one. He didn't say, wait until your sheep has ten lambs and then give me one of them and you can give me the one that you don't like that's getting in your garden. (laughs) You bring me the first one before you even have others. See, that always takes faith. And it's the principle of faith that actually enacts the blessing in our life. So in the same way, so why am I saying Jesus is God's side? Because God gave Jesus first. God didn't wait to see if we would straighten up to give Jesus. God gave Jesus when we were mocking him and beating him and spitting on him and nailing him to a cross. While we were yet sinners, God demonstrates his love in that Christ died for us. So he's he's the tithe. So don't speak negatively about this. Yes, tithing was under the law, but what's the principle behind it? And the principle was hundreds of years before the law. And hundreds of years after. As a matter of fact, the Bible, the New Testament, Jesus said, you should tithe. I don't know if you've ever, it's in red, by the way. So if you get hung up on that, it's in red. <laughs> Jesus said, you tithe, and he names three spices. You tithe on these little spices you put on your food, but you neglect justice, mercy, and faith. Then Jesus said this, this you ought to do. But he just talked about tithing on every little thing, this you ought to do without leaving the others undone. That's enough for me right there. Jesus said it. It's amazing how we miss this. Tithing is the only area you can test God. Only area the Bible says you can test him, Malachi three. He said, bring the tithe into the storehouse, which refers to the church and test me, test me. And see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. In other words, you'll be able to give more away, and you'll be able to have more yourself. And then it says this, and, and, that's kind of like, if you call right now, (laughs) and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He doesn't even say for the kingdom's sake. He says for your sake, if you tithe. It's the best deal in the world for 10%. It's phenomenal what God will do. And when he says, you've robbed me, yes, the tithe belongs to him, but it all belongs to him. But here's what I actually think he's saying. You've robbed me of the chance, the opportunity to bless you. Because if you'll just do it my way, if you'll just put me first in your life, give me the first 10%, I can open up the windows of heaven over you. But you're robbing me of that opportunity. Listen, I believe so strongly in tithing according to Scripture. I don't have time, obviously, to cover one message. That's why I wrote the book. All through the book, it explains it. All through the Bible explains it. But I believe so strongly, I have told our church for years, you tithe for one year. If you are not fully satisfied at the end of that year, I'll give you your money back. And I'll tell you, because I believe it that strongly... You tie to Church of the King for one year if you're not fully satisfied at the end of the year. I, Pastor Steve will give you your money. But. <laughs> well, thank you. It's been wonderful being with you. And uh, well, my, You saw the picture of my family. And um, my daughter there is married to this wonderful man. And when he wanted to date her, he came and met with me. And I set out guidelines, and he did everything right. That's why he got the prize. Um, but when he came to meet with me, I did typical things that a father would do. You know, I took him in and showed him my gun collection. It's normal, <laughs> normal things, you know. And um, so, but he finally got permission then to date her. I, I had him be friends for a few months first, and then they got to date. And so they're standing around after a young adult service at, our, at the church, talking with about seven or eight young adults at the front here, and they got to joking with my daughter and Ethan, my son-in-law now, uh, about what's it like to date the pastor's daughter, you know? And so it was funny because one of them said to my daughter, you know, your dad is so strong on tithing. I'll bet he even checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date you. (laughs) And my daughter said, He does. And I did. I ask you a real simple question. Why would I give the stewardship of my daughter to a thief? I mean, if he'll rob God, if he'll steal from God, that's even more than stealing from someone else. Why would I give my daughter? And why would I give my daughter to someone that can't even handle money. He can't even put God first in his money. He certainly, God's not first in his life. I mean, if he can't handle money, he certainly cannot handle my daughter because she is a handful. (laughs) (laughs) So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Here's point number two, the first fruits must be offered. Remember Jesus is the firstborn and first fruits. You can look it up in any Bible concordance, Bible program. So the first fruits must be offered. Proverbs three nine and ten, honor the Lord with your possessions. It's right there in Scripture, with your possessions, and with the first fruits of all your increase, which would be our income, the first fruits. So your barns will be filled with plenty. There again is the blessing if we'll obey, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Exodus twenty three nineteen, the first. Of the first fruits, the first 10%, the first of the first fruits of your land, you shall bring, notice the word bring, into the house of the Lord your God. Notice where the tithe goes. Okay, let me tell you a couple things about this. First of all, God never uses the word give when he talks about tithing. He always uses the word bring. Here's the reason. You can't give what doesn't belong to you. You can only bring it or you can steal it. And by the way, please don't get mad at me about the words stealing and thief. Those are God's words. In Joshua, he writes that. They've stolen from me when they took of the, what was supposed to go to the promised land. When they were entering the promised land, he said, bring all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of the Lord. That's always where the tithe goes. Bring it all the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of the Lord. Now, why would he say all of the silver and gold from Jericho? It's real simple. Jericho was the first city real simple bring me the first the rest are blessed and you know when they didn't they got they lost the second city until they said and here's what he said Israel has stolen from me Israel has stolen from me and then in Malachi he says you've robbed me so that's why God that's why that's the only reason I use those words so we bring it into the house of God by the way you cannot designate your tithe because it doesn't belong to you it belongs to God it doesn't go to missionaries and Christian schools. That's offerings. That's over and above. The tithe comes to the house of God. I promise you, I've watched this over and over and over for 35 years of ministry now. As people have brought their tithe, the first 10% of their income to the house of God, it changes everything. Everything. So, so it's all, all through scripture. Uh, when I was in college, one of the students asked one of the professors, why did God accept Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cadence? Cain and Abel, if you remember, the sons of Adam and Eve. So this goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 4. And the professor was very honest. He said, you know, I really don't have any revelation on on why he did that. And I thought that was a great answer. Years later, when God showed me the the principle of firstborn and first fruit, you go back and read it, and then you can see why he accepted Abel's, but he didn't accept Cain's. So let me show it to you. You'll you'll all see it. Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5. And in the process of time... These words are very important. In the process of time, it came to pass, just kind of happened, just kind of came to pass, that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it does not say he brought first fruits. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected or received Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. That's clear, isn't it? Abel is a rancher, he brings the firstborn. Cain is a farmer, he doesn't bring firstfruits. He just brought an offering in the process of time. Let me say it another way. He gave what he wanted when he wanted. You know how many people do that today? I'll give what I want when I want. Really? Well, God won't receive it you're not in charge of your life I don't think. I think we gave our lives to Jesus. I thought this this book is the manual for our life. We do what this book says. This book says we bring the first 10% of our income into the house of the Lord. So it's very very clear in scripture. So it's not just though I want to go a little deeper theologically or it's not just that God wouldn't accept Cain's offering. God couldn't accept Cain's offering. Now let me explain, because sometimes when you're new in the faith or you haven't, uh, you know, uh, learned some of the, the deeper theological truths, you, you say, well, what do you, what do you mean God couldn't do it? Because I thought he's God, so I thought God could do anything. No, God can never act outside of himself. In other words, God can never act out of his character, outside of his character. Let me just give you an example. God can't lie. The Bible says it clearly. The reason God can't lie I'll just say he won't, but he can't, is because he is truth. Good. He doesn't just know truth or speak truth. He is truth. So there is no lie in him. It's like God is light and there is no darkness in him. See, it's, it's who he is. So it's his, his attributes. See, so there are some things God can't do. Let me, let me give you some examples. Some of these will be humorous, you know. Um, God can't change. This is called, if you want the word for it, immutability. The immutability of God. God can't change. Change. Here's the reason God can't change, because if God could change, he could get better, and he can't get better because he's already best. Yeah, he's already best, so he can't get better. There's no reason for God to change, so God can't change. That's the immutability of God. Here's another thing God can't do, and maybe you've never thought about this. God can't think the way we think. He can't. The attribute is the omniscience of God. Comes from two words. You can look at how it's spelled omni and science. It's actually spelled exactly that way omni and science, omniscience. Omni means all, science means knowledge. God has all knowledge. In other words, he knows everything. But let's go a little bit deeper than that. God knows everything at the same time. Let me say that again God knows everything at the same time. You think about that this week, you will trip a breaker. I mean, that's phenomenal. <laughs> The reason God can't think the way we think is because when we think, we think to figure things out. Okay. He's not trying to figure anything out. He knows it all. Okay, I got to go a little deeper. God knows everything. Let me say it another way. Nothing has ever occurred to God. <laughs> I ju- you know what just occurred to me? You ever heard that? <laughs> Nothing's ever occurred to God. Let me say it another way. God has never said, you know what I just thought of? I just thought of something I've never thought of before. <laughs> He's never said that uh, because he knows everything. At the same time, God has all knowledge, so nothing ever just occurs to him. He doesn't just so. When I said a moment ago, God can't think the way we think. You might have all even remembered a scripture about God's thoughts. Yes, that bears out this doctrine. Here's what it actually says: My thoughts are not your thoughts. They say I don't think like you. As the heavens are higher than the earth, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So God can't change. He can't think like we think. So let me tell you something else. And this is where we come back to Cain and Abel. God can't be second. He can't be. This is called the preeminence of God. He's higher than all. He's before all. He's above all. He's first of all. He's first in the universe. He's always first. Now we say as pastors, put God first in your life. And that's a good analogy. But let me let you know, if God's not first in your life, he's still first in the universe. You didn't change the cosmic order just because God's not first in your life. He's still first. So when Cain brings an offering that's not first, God says, I can't accept that. He even says it very clear in another passage. He says, you bring me blind animals and lame animals. And then here's what he says very clearly. I do not accept them i do not so we got to put god first in our life and here so you say well why are you saying finances it's very simple jesus said where your treasure is there your heart will be also your heart actually follows your treasure (laughs) it's not the other way around i've heard pastors even say boy if i can get their heart in the church i know their gift no if they start giving their heart will be in the church because your heart is where your treasure is. See, your heart will be there. So, firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. fruits must be offered. Here's number three. The tithe must be first. Must be. Simple. You say, well, why do you say that? Because it belongs to God. God's always first. The tithe belongs to God. You say, well, doesn't it doesn't always belong to God. This is where we get that word again, set apart. For some reason, God has set this apart for his house. Uh, Le, 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 Leviticus 27:30 And all the tithe of land Notice the word all All the tithe of the land The tithe comes from a Hebrew word Which means the tenth tenth part All the tithe of the land Whether the seed of the land Or the fruit of the tree Is the Lord's In other words it belongs to him It is holy There's that word again Set apart to the Lord Okay. So how do you know how to give the first, how do you know how to work this out in your life, okay? Um, I'm going to give you a math illustration, all right? So I know that half of you will not like this illustration. I understand that. Uh, Most people, there's people who love math, people who hate math, and they're married, by the way. Um, So I'm one of those who love math. My father is a mathematical genius, verified. I'm not saying that's not my opinion. Uh, it's the opinion of the University of Texas. He is a mathematical genius. He's a genius when it comes to this. Um, I'm not a genius. I'm not a mathematical genius. Apparently, it skips a generation. But, uh, <laughs> but numbers add up in my mind without me trying to get them to. It's happened since I was young. It just numbers just add up. It just happens. So Debbie and I were buying something one time. It was seven dollars and ninety nine cents. And the lady said, I'm going to have to add the tax on the calculator because the cash register is broken. And I just immediately said, it's 66 cents. And she sat there a minute looked at me and then she did her little buttons and then she said, it's 66 cents. <laughs> I said, okay. So we get out in the car and my wife said to me, how do you do that? Okay, so um, I thought that she was actually asking me how I did it. How do you do that? I found out later she could not care less how I did it. That's not what she said though. So I explained it to her. And so I said, well, sugar, uh, that's what I call her sugar. I said uh, it was 7.99, so that's close to eight. Our tax rate is 8.25. Eight times eight is 64. Quarter of eight is two. 64 plus two is 66. I said that should happen in less than a second in your mind. She said to me, uh, "It doesn't." And then she said but I know what 25% off means. <laughs> so now I'm still thinking math. It took me a long time to catch up in this conversation. Okay. So I said to her, okay, if you're buying something and it's hundred dollars and it's 25% off, what does that mean? She says, it means it's a good deal. <laughs> then she says, and if it's 50% off, it's free. what and then she does like this like I'm the one that does no match she said Robert everybody knows this she said if it's 50% off it's the same thing as buy one get one free so if it's 50% off it's free then she says and if it's 75% off you're making money Which explains some difficulties we've had over the years with our checkbook. How she thought she was actually making me money, you know. Okay. All right. So so here's the math illustration. That's just kind of a funny thing. Okay, so so now we're gonna talk about tithing. Let's say that you own a landscape company and I call you and I say, Hey, I want some plants and trees and flowers and Okay, probably make this more realistic, I say Debbie wants some plants and trees and flowers. Uh, And so you come over and you say, okay, here's how much my material will be, here's how much my labor will be, and my profit on the job will be $1,000. In other words, that'll be my income. You tithe on your income, not all your expenses. And so is that agreeable, the entire price to you, Pastor Robert? I say, that's agreeable. So you come, you do the job, so I pay all your uh, materials, pay all your labor, and then for your income, let's say that I give you 10 $100 bills. $1,000. $1,000. So here's the, the math part of this. Two questions. You have 10 $100 bills in your hand. A, a, a tithe is 10%. So you have $1,000. So how much is the tithe? $100. Some of you are like, okay, carry the zero. Okay. And that's okay, because you've got strengths in other areas that I don't have strengths in those areas. So, okay, so it's $100. Okay, but you have 10 $100 bills in your hand. So which one is the tithe? first one. Okay. But how do you know which one's the first one? Let me help you. It's the first one to leave your hand. It's the first one you spend. It's the first one to leave your hand. That's the first one. That belongs to God. Because if you go home and you say, okay, I'm going to set aside some for the mortgage, some for groceries, some for clothes, and here's God's part. That's not God's part. You gave God's part to the mortgage company. And the mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. But God does. Here's what some people do. And I've been there. We say, well, here, here, here's some for this, some for that, some for this. Oh, there's not enough leftover for God. I really don't mean this wrong. I really don't. But he wouldn't accept it anyway. Because he doesn't accept leftovers. He accepts the first. So it's very So here's how it works out in my life. Uh, I get paid on the 15th and 30th. It's automatic deposit. So on those days, money just magically appears, you know, in my checking account. On those days when I'm having my quiet time, which is in the morning, I will go online and immediately send the tithe for the church. Now, I used to write a checkout and just take it with me. I just like to do everything online now. So on the day I get paid, it's the first money that leaves my account. And for us, the Lord wants me to share this. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you because God's going to challenge some of you to do this. Since 1985, over 31 years now, Debbie and I do a double tithe. We just felt like years ago we wanted to double tithe. And that's just to the church, and then we get to give over and above that by God's grace. So, so we, we do 20% immediately. Here's the point, though. Let's just say that on the 15th I get up, I forget it's the 15th, and I'm running late, and I've got to catch an early morning flight, and I head out, get on the flight, I'm in meetings all day, and then at night I think, oh, well, it's the 15th. I got paid today. And so I go online and I, I'm going to send the tithe and I notice when I'm online that Debbie's gone to the grocery store that day. I don't say, oh, that's great sugar. We're cursed. <laughs> you know, because you, you gave the tithe to Rouse's and so we're cursed, you know, to the grocery store. Okay. So I don't do that because I'm not legalistic about what I'm telling you. I don't, I'm not trying to present something legalistic to you. I don't tithe out of law. I tithe out of love. This is not a rule with me, it's a relationship with me. So uh, I just, when I, it's, it's in my heart. That's what I'm asking you. Is it in your heart to give the first of your income to God? And this is a principle that runs through scripture, all through scripture. So let me show you one more verse and then we're, we're finished. Back in Exodus 13, when it's talking about the firstborn, remember giving the firstborn, sacrificing the firstborn? Look at verse 14. It says, so it shall be... When your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? Okay, so what he's talking about is your son's going to ask you one day, why are you killing these animals? That you shall say to him, he gives the answer, by strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, the word therefore could mean this is the reason or this is why. This is why I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Okay, so think about this back then. Little boy runs into the kitchen, says, Mom, Dad, the sheep is having a lamb, and it's her first one. And so the family gets up, so they they go out to the barn, but the father grabs the butcher knife on the way out. They get out there and they're gathered around and they say, oh, look, oh, look, it's the miracle of life. Oh, look at him. He's standing up. Oh, he's standing up. And then the father reaches over, grabs this little lamb by the hind legs, picks it up and slits its throat. And this boy's watching that. So you know what the boy's thinking. He's thinking, "Uh, don't mess with dad. (laughs) I don't know what the lamb did, but I'm never doing that. I'm going to find out what he did, and I'm not going to do that. But as he grows up, the dad keeps doing this. So let's say he goes away to college. He comes back, and the dad says, hey, would you keep the books? You know, you've got this education now, so keep the books for me. And so he's he's sitting there one day. He's got the books in front of him. Father comes in from the field. He's been looking at the books, and he says, hey, dad, sit down. I want to talk to you for a minute. You don't have the knife with you, do you? Okay, all right. You know, Dad, you asked me to keep the books. And, um, uh, Dad, um, well, I've been going over the books. And, um, Dad, you know, uh, Dad uh, you know, you might not even know you do this, Dad. You know, we all have blind spots, Dad. You sure you don't have that knife? Okay. So, um, but, Dad, um, every time that one of our animals has a firstborn, well, uh, you, know, you, um, you know, you kill it. And, um, uh, Dad, um, you killed 73 animals last year, Dad. And this is cutting into our profits. And um, why do you do that? He said, when your son asks you, you say to him, son, there's there's something you don't know about our family. Um, We weren't always in the ranching business. Uh, We didn't own land, son. Our, Our forefathers... Um, Son, they were slaves. We didn't own anything. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered us and gave us everything that we have now. Therefore, we gladly give to God. The first of everything we have, because he's given us everything we have. Okay, so this was written about 4,000 years ago. So, years ago, my oldest son, 35 now, about 10 years old, I'm paying the bills. Back then again, we had checks for younger people here. Those are pieces of paper. <laughs> okay, it's before plastic was invented in my generation. We rode dinosaurs to school. So, okay, so anyway. <laughs> So we would, I would write the check out. When I sat down to pay the bills, I'd write the check out to the church, the tithe check first, and I'd settle over to the side. And then I'd pay the bills, but I always did the tithe check first. So I'm paying the bills one day, and the tithe check is sitting on my desk here so I can take it to church that weekend. And my oldest son, who has the math mind, comes in, and he sees this check, and he starts reading it. And I can see it going in his mind. And all of a sudden, he said, Dad... Why do you give so much money to the church? And I remembered this scripture. And I took my son and I set him in my lap. And I said to him, and this is the first time he'd ever heard it I said, Son, um, there's something about daddy that you don't know. But daddy wasn't always a Christian. Daddy was a very bad man. And Daddy couldn't change. But God set your daddy free and gave us everything we have. Therefore, I gladly give to God the first 10% of all of my income. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. and I want you to just take a moment in your heart, not out loud, just in your heart, and just ask the Holy Spirit what He's saying to you. You should do this every week. After we hear the word, you should just say, God, Apply this message to me. What are you saying to me? And there, there are people that have, here that are struggled with tithing. Can I tell you something? You're not a bad person. You are not a bad person. Many of us have struggled in this area. Many of us. Please hear me. Most people say, Pastor, I can't afford to tithe. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Because tithing is what breaks the curse. If you have to sell something or downsize and you'll, you'll never have to, I mean, God, I guarantee you, it'll change your life. So I want, I want you to make a commitment right now. First of the year, first month of the year here that you're going to start tithing. Make a commitment. Put, you're going to put God first in your finances. Others of you, and you may be in another campus or at the correctional facility, but you're thinking, what's, you know in your heart, you need to put God first in every area of your life. You need to receive Jesus as your Lord. Well, I want to help you. I I was in a motel room when I got saved. A guy had been talking to me for months. And I'd been on drugs and in jail. And and finally, he helped me to give my life to Jesus. So I want to help you. So if you want to give your life to Jesus, not out loud, just in your heart right now, would you just say to him, dear Jesus, just tell him this. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. Just tell him that. And I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Tell him. And we want to help you. They're going to help you here at the church. And what to do now if you've given your life to the Lord. And I want to pray for all of you. Lord, I pray that every one of us, every person here in this message will put you first in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.